It's Tuesday, November 16th, 2021, and this is Golf Today with the European Tour concluding this weekend and Rory McIlroy in the field. We dive deep into his season and the good, the two wins, the bad, just one top ten in a major, and the ugly miscuts at both the Masters and the players. Where's Rory and what should we expect in 2022? Plus, it's always a good day when the show includes Christina Kim, the three-time LPGA winner, hops on the program to talk about her week playing with Nellie Corda and what a Christina Kim-hosted party might consist of. Plus, we welcome Davis Love III to the show. He lets us know why older players are contending and winning on the PGA Tour and plenty more as he hints at the idea of a 52-year-old Phil Mickelson playing on the President's Cup next season. Golf Today. Brought to you by PointsBet. Good Tuesday to you. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Shane Bacon. Another big week of golf. We see some tours that are wrapping up their seasons this week. Before we get to that, how are your wipers? Just I mean, are My they... wipers are good. I'm ready for winter. I've got enough, you know, the fluid sharp. in there. Sharp. I'm already kind of cleaning the wiper. Every day, <laughs> the, the windshield's got frost on it which is a little bit of a bummer you and i are park outside guys i'm a park outside we, we, guy. We, yeah, yeah. we we give the garage to other people in yes. our family so we are both park outside guys so the wipers better be locked in but yeah we do have conclusions of some tours we got to yeah. wrap up pj tour champions on sunday get to wrap up the lpga mm. tour and the european tour this week the european tour in terms of its name for good really it's going to be an exciting week in golf we got some big names out there playing yeah we talked a lot about nelly yesterday we're going to talk a lot about nelly quarter today on sunday at the pelican women's championship the world number one beat lexi thompson lydia ko and say young kim with a birdie on the first playoff hole to win her fourth lpga title of the year her seventh of her career and don't forget that olympic gold medal as well so let's take a look at who's in the race to the cme globe Dive into the players that you're at this point familiar with. Jin Young Ko, Nelly Korda battling one and two. Lydia Ko right there has had a very busy last few weeks. Patty Tabatanikit is fourth. Envy Park is fifth. That is really a who's who when you kind of dive into the top ten. Yeah, as the LPGAs want to do. The season ends at Tiburon Golf Club in Naples, Florida. Fantastic spot. Top players on the year-long CME Globe. Standings vie for the chance to become the race to the CME Globe. Champion. So here's what you need to know. Some notes and you got some nuggets. nuggets. I got some nuggets okay. for you. 60 players this week in the field based on the season-long race to the CME point standings. Five million dollar purse. 1.5 mil goes to the winner, and the winner of the event also wins the race to the CME Globe. So kind of a winner-take-all format. Are you good with this? Do you like this format for the LPGA? You know, we have a lot of these season ending things. You think about race to Dubai and yeah. you've got Charles Schwab and of course we have the FedEx Cup on the PGA Tour. All of, them have, all of them have kind of different iterations don't yeah. they, D? I mean, you've got a lot of different formats when you dive into the end of season things in terms of professional golf. Of course, the PGA Tour with the FedEx Cup. Top 125 reach the playoffs and then we have three events yeah. including with 30 players. It's kind of an aggregated scoreboard there in the final event of the year. PGA Tour champions that we just wrapped up 72 reached the playoffs three event playoff series as well and the lpga tour is the one that I, I really feel like dives into the term playoffs the most you see top 60 reach the finale and then it is in fact winner take off to take all and the term playoffs to me when you really dive into playoffs it's typically teams get into a position and they have a chance to win i mean you think wow. about march madness you get all the teams in the bracket and in theory they all have a chance to win the tournament in football the same thing we've seen some crazy teams win that basketball baseball 
If you make the playoffs, in theory, you have a chance to win. So when we talk about the term playoffs, I love the LPGAs the most. Okay. Because I feel like you get to this point, you play well enough in the season to get to the finale, and let's see what happens. I think you and I have both begged for years for match play in some of these finales. When you talk about playoffs, match play to me makes a little bit more sense when you type out the term playoffs. But for me, D, it's the LPGA. Are you in agreement? Do you like some of the other formats? Of the three, I think the LPGA is the closest to what I'd like to see. And you mentioned match play. To me, like tennis does it beautifully. When you're watching Wimbledon, you know, you get there and then it's you, you win or, you, or you're done. Or you win and you advance. And I want to see something similar. You know, match play, we see it on the PGA Tour and LPGA. I would love to see some form of match play on the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour. Maybe the top four or eight players in the season-long race, you get a bye on Thursday and Friday. And then Thursday and Friday, it's stroke play. And then the, those players that advance, you meet those four or eight players on Saturday and Sunday. And you do a quarter on, on Saturday and a semifinal on Saturday. And you have a big Sunday for the finals. And that way, I still think you would be included in having some great players. You'd be, you'd be for sure having, you know, a, a one, two, three, or four. You'd have Nelly and Jin Young-Ko. You'd have these players kind of guaranteed to see them on the weekend. I want to see a little more jeopardy if we're going to call these playoffs playoffs. Doesn't ma match play feels the closest to playoffs. I mean, this is something we've talked yes. about on the show numerous Don't times. Don't be scared of it. Let's, let's, let's embrace the upsets. Yeah. I mean, embracing the upsets is part of sport. I mean, that's why we love 12 versus 5 matchups in March Madness is because it, you're almost guaranteed yeah. an upset yeah. by a 12 seed. You're almost guaranteed a player going out there and doing that, a team going out there and winning that. And match play, we see it each and every year down in Austin. There's yeah. going to be an upset from a player you don't expect. That's why sports is great. I, I understand everything outside of the sport part of it, TV, money, interest, big names, all of the things that come along with the idea of match play. But as simply as a fan of sport, I think match play presents an opportunity to make this feel like you're playing for your quote-unquote livelihood. Yeah. You're playing for your season. You're playing for an award. You've got to go out there and beat whoever you're facing off with in this match and don't worry about anything else. Nothing else matters. To me, that feels very playoff-y. Yeah, and I don't mind that the PGA Tour calls it playoffs. They're obviously looking at what college football right. and the NFL and Major League Baseball and basketball, they called the playoffs, and they wanted to feel like the playoffs. To me, it would feel a little bit more like the playoffs if there was some real jeopardy and some players going home and slamming trunks during that final week or couple weeks of the season. We, we look at the, the FedEx Cup finale, right? And you look yeah. at 30 players at Eastlake. And these aren't, you know, one-and-done players. I mean, when you look at the players that make Eastlake consistently, I mean, yeah. it's Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Dustin Johnson. It's all the usual characters. Sure. Now, you might get five or ten new names each and every year, or shuffling names in and out, some players that haven't been there yet. But that's also part of the playoffs, right? It's yes. the up-and-coming team. It's the Warriors going out there with this young squad and taking a veteran team to the brink of, of elimination and maybe losing that year, but they're gaining the experience and the understanding of maybe how to go about mm. the playoffs. Yeah. But you're not going to get any bad matchups. I agree. And that's the key here is you're going to get great matchups with great names. As we mentioned, another big week in golf this week includes the race to the CME Globe finale. Here are the point standings in the race to the CME. And this is very important. 53 through 62. Look at number 56. That is Yu Lu. She went to Duke. She started last week 62nd. Moved to 56 to be able to go to Naples this week. And Yu Lu joins us on this Tuesday edition of golf today. It is great to spend some time with you. You first of all, I want to know what was the pressure like knowing that you were trying to play for a spot in Naples this week?
Um, yeah, I was definitely checking the rankings pretty <laughs> frequently throughout the week, um, but I knew, um, you know, a good week would, would like good golf will um, take care of itself. So pressure wise, I, I wasn't feeling too bad, to be honest. You, you mentioned good golf Saturday and Sunday, one of your more solid weekends of the year, 67, 66. What was working so well over the weekend at Pelican? Yeah, to be honest, I did some swing changes um, starting off the week. Um, so I didn't have too much expectations long game wise, but I feel like I did some great adjustments um, with my short game and it definitely uh, pulled off um, really well. So, you know, the scoring clubs are always the one that matters the most. Yeah. Swing changes this time of the year. That's a bit of a leap of faith. What were you working on specifically? Um, it's just something that I've been struggling with the past two years, maybe since COVID um, sh shut, shut down. So I just feel like, you know what, um, I feel like I'm just really fed up with um, going through all the, 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 the bad swing, like bad range sessions on, on, um, on the course. So I feel like I, it was time for a change and I just really had nothing to lose. And the change did you well. Now, Lou, like, like, just, just listen to me for one second. I got three boys, triplets. We're already talking about college, and we actually visited Duke uh, not too long ago. I want to know what was the most valuable aspect to you of being a student athlete at one of the best colleges in the country? Oh, yeah. Um, I was just very fortunate to be given the opportunity to play at such an uh, amazing team and uh, to play for Coach Brooks and to be able to attend a uh, top universities like Duke. Um, it was just an eye-opening experience and really just opened a lot of doors for me and to be able to learn about what's going on um, and to be able to hang out with all the peers. Um, it was just amazing learning experience for me. Yeah. You, we just spent some time talking about all the playoffs in professional golf. The LPGA's playoff, if you will, a little bit different. It's a winner-take-all situation here in the season finale. Do you like the fact that the 56th ranked player could go out there and win this tournament versus somebody like a Nelly Korda or a Jin Young Ko? Oh, totally. I mean, from my standpoint, I'm glad that it's not a accumulated season long thing because now everything is determined by this one week. I mean, a good golf for four days in a row could, you never know where it's going to take me. So, um, I mean, and mathematically, it's, I would say it's hard to win two weeks in a row. So I like my odds this week. <laughs> Who and, knows? Yeah, and you, your LPGA profile mentions that you're a big basketball fan. I feel like that's a prerequisite if you go to Duke University. Can you clue us in on yeah. the teams and the players that you like to watch the most? Um, well, I watched a lot of NBA growing, growing up. Um, it's pretty big in China. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, so my favorite team was the Heat back then, where they were winning all the finals and stuff. But then lately, it's just I've been pretty busy playing on tour, so I haven't been really uh, following close. But definitely Duke is my favorite NCAA team. Understandably so, and playing a lot of great golf. You, Lou, thanks for the time, and best of luck this week in Naples. Go win it all. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, speaking of the playoffs, let's look back at some great playoff moments throughout the years. In sports, I mean, where, where are you going to go? That's, oh, my so many. So many to pick from. There's yeah. a, literally almost every sport has playoffs every year. That's how it kind of right, works out. Right. Uh, I'm going to start with a moment that I will never forget. One of my favorite basketball players of my entire lifetime, Dame Lillard. If you remember this back in 2019, playing the Thunder, pulls up, 
hits the shot, Dame time, and then he waves goodbye to the crowd. You remember Paul George said, that was a bad shot. I don't care what anybody says, that's a bad shot. You know what the good part about it was? It went in. Yeah. It went in. Yeah, Dame my, Lillard. I always love Dame Dalla. What a oh, player. I mean, how can he not? And then this was for a different reason. Uh, a friend of mine may have had uh, all of his financial on uh, on the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Whoa. And so I watched the game with him. The helmet catch. Eli. Oh, uh, how can you forget that moment? I can't. I will never forget it. They beat the undefeated You're not supposed team. to catch it with your helmet. Beat the undefeated and then, uh, Patriots. And then, I mean, this... Just add it to the long list of disappointing University of Arizona basketball moments. Okay. Illinois, Arizona, 05, Elite Eight. I was actually studying abroad. I was listening to this in Innsbruck, Austria with my buddy oh, wow. Andrew Omer. We were listening to it on Yahoo Radio at about 5 in the morning in our hotel lobby. We asked the hotel if we could use their office to listen to the game. Amazing. Uh, the guy was asking us basketball questions. You know, this Austrian guy was asking us some questions about basketball. What's a rebound? What's an assist? Then he said, you guys want some champagne to celebrate. And that's when wow. the collapse oh, started to happen. No. I will never forget 05. Uh, D, I, I'm assuming you've got some playoff moments that you remember. I do. I'm a little older than you, Shane. So a lot of your memories are, are more recent. Mine go way back to the 1980s, but I got some good ones. Let's start with my favorite player growing up, Irvin Magic oh, yeah. Johnson. This is game four, 1987. The Lakers had just dropped game three in Boston. He makes the baby hook shot. Do you remember over Bird and McHale and Parrish? They win that important game four. They win the title in 1987. They won in 80, 82, 85, 87, and 1988. Speaking of 1988, <laughs> so the Lakers win. How about a Dodger title? Game one, Kirk Gibson is injured, comes off the bench. This is like Robert Redford in the, na in the natural, folks. Dennis Eckersley, who hadn't given up a save all year, and Gibby goes deep. And the Dodgers go on to win the World Series in five games over McGuire and Canseco in the heavily favored Oakland A's. One of the great celebrations in baseball I was history. As a teenager, can you imagine your child, your hero, <laughs> the Lakers, and you got the Dodgers win? I mean, it was a good time to be a kid in LA. Do we talk enough about how skilled Magic Johnson was? I mean, it's easy to forget players yeah. of, you know, 20, 30 years ago. We don't. But the, the skill level of Magic, the fact that he could play five, and he could play one, and he could play two, and he could defend anybody, and he could score from anywhere. I, I mean, Magic is one of those players that if you threw him in the NBA right now, he'd be just fine. He would be just fine. Six foot he? nine, played all five positions as a rookie in the 1980 NBA Finals against the Philadelphia 76ers taking down Dr. J. I mean, I can, I can do NBA all day, as you know, as well. But Magic Johnson, I think one of the, the greatest team players of all time, made everyone around him better. Everybody wanted to play when Magic Johnson was your point guard. There's a reason Magic and LeBron are buddies. Yeah. LeBron has a similar skill set in terms of making people better. Someone that doesn't quite need to get better, maybe more consistent, is Rory McIlroy. He's going to tee it up this week in Dubai for the European Tour season ender. But before he does, we look at his year in review. Golf Today, brought to you by... Point bet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Bushnell Golf and the Pro XC experience the best. And by Geico, you could save even more by bundling home and car insurance. Back on golf today, let's take a look at what's happening this week as the Rolex Series returns and the European Tour heads to Dubai for the DP World Tour 
Championship. Couple weeks in Dubai. In fact, the European Tour number one will be crowned this week as the top 50 available players on the Race to Dubai standings qualify for the tournament. You see some fantastic names, including Colin Morikawa, two-time major champ. Billy Horschel won the BMW PGA Championship this year. Yeah, don't sleep on Hatton, Minwoo mm -hmm. Lee, Fitzpatrick. Also in the field this week is Rory McIlroy with the great swing, coming off some great play as well. But we want to take you back to I'd say late January, mm. just starting this program, D, and Rory is hes making you mad. Sometimes things bug the guy, and he has that face right there when it really gets under his skin. Damon, what's bugging you? That is the face I made when I rolled out of the rack this morning <laughs> and grabbed my phone, believe it or not, and saw that Rory was even Parr and Tyrrell uh, had run past him. When Rory tells us, Shane Bacon, at the preamble of this event, that it's gonna, he's going to make it his week. It's his turn. When he tells us, Shane Bacon, that he spent part of the Christmas holiday with his coach. When he tells us, Shane Bacon, that his coach is on property. And then on Sunday, he has a 54-hole lead. It doesn't factor. It's not even that he didn't win, Shane. He didn't factor. He put no pressure on Tyrrell. You're one of the best players of this generation, and your voice wasn't heard. I've sat in this chair now in Connecticut. I've sat in a similar chair in Orlando, and I've said the same thing. Rory McIlroy has to throw his weight around a little bit more. When you've been in the final group 18 times around the world and you've won three of those times, that's a low percentage for someone who we all expect great things from. He expects great things from himself. That's a poor Sunday. So how did Rory do? this season and go through some uh, positive Roy McIlroy. Yeah, this was the Wells Fargo Championship a couple weeks after I started to do a little work with Pete Cowan. Pete Cowan told me, you know, a little bit of a placebo effect. I think some new words in his ears. We really wanted to see Roy take that play to major championship weekends. Yeah, tee shot there at the 18th. You remember found the penalty area. Yeah. Bogey, tough bogey at that. Yeah, it was kind of nervy at the end, but still took home the trophy on one of his favorite golf courses. And then the Ryder Cup was not Rory's week, but he got the singles out first against Xander, and he would get the full point for the Europeans. Yeah, and of course, we remember the tears and the emotion after going 0-3. Finally gets a point for Europe on Sunday, his lone win of the week. This, of course, Vegas, baby, Vegas. CJ Cup at Summit Club. Final round six under to hold off a charging Colin Morikawa. Shot 10 under on that Sunday. Of course, Rory wins by a shot for his 20th career PGA Tour victory. So that's a, that's a lot of good some there. Good some stuff good stuff in there. There was good. some great Rory in 2021. But we showed you the good, so probably got to show you the bad as well. Here's Rory at the players. He's defending his title. and. Oh my goodness, it was just a brutal, brutal week. Yeah, been some good moments on that hole, but not this week. And he talked about, you know what he was doing? Kind of chase down Bryson. The swing issues and where it all stems from probably like October last year. Doing a little bit of speed training, sort of getting sucked into that stuff. Um, swing got flat, long. Um, too rotational. Obviously, I added some speed and hitting the ball longer, but uh, what that did to my swing as a whole um, probably wasn't a good thing. So I'm sort of fighting to get back out of that. 
I'd be lying if I said it wasn't anything to do with what Bryson did at the U.S. Open. I think a lot of people saw that and were like, whoa, you know, if this is the way they're going to set golf courses up in the future, it helps. It really helps. That's what people used to say about him. That's what mm. people said about Rory McIlroy, who's second on the PGA Tour in driving distance, 320 yards per pop last year. And then the Masters is White Whale trying to get that green jacket oh. to complete the career grants. I mean, look at these pictures. Six over and missed the cut after finishing top ten in six of the last seven Masters. His only second career missed cut in the event. And then it didn't get much better on the, at the U.S. Open when he was feeling the heat on oh. the weekend. Stood on the tee at the 11th, the par three, hit in the middle of the green, three-putt bogey, gets to 12, made birdie on this hole each of the first three days and would walk away with a double bogey. So right when he gets close to the leaderboard, he goes bogey, double, and that U.S. Open is lone top 10 in a major championship this season. Yeah, it's been a little bit of everything. You see the missed cut by 10 as defending champ missed the cut at the Masters for the first time since 2010, won the Wells Fargo for the third time. Clearly probably his happiest place in the game and won that C.J. Cup at Summit for the 20th PGA Tour victory. So, so what do you see in this Four-time major champ, this two-time FedEx Cup champ, as he's once again going to get back on the horse this week, but also big picture looking ahead to 2022. You know, Rory was one of the most consistent golfers in the sport for a long, long time. And what you look at this season is a guy that was incredibly inconsistent. And he was kind of the modern player, if you will. I mean, we're seeing what succeeds on the PGA Tour these days is when you're hot, you have a chance to win. Yeah. And when you're not... You might shoot 80, and that's what Rory did this year. You go through some of these numbers, 76 in the second round at Rib, missed the cut, 79 to open at mm. the Players, he would mm. miss that cut, 76-74 at the Masters. These are big events. These are events that Rory preps for. These are events Rory wants to win, contend in, and he's shooting these high numbers, but you also put those next to two victories. When he was incredibly impressive for the whole week, and it seemed like he was kind of cruising to victory, it didn't seem like anybody would knock him off. So when you look at the modern PGA Tour, when things are going well, when you're making putts, when the swing's there, maybe you can tend. And when it's not, you might miss the cut. And that is a little bit of what Rory showed us in 2021. Yeah. I think we'll look back at the Ryder Cup five years from now, ten years from now, as a turning point in the career of Rory McIlroy. And, yes, he did dabble with Pete Cowan as his swing coach for a little while. He's known Pete Cowan for most of his life. But his main coach has been Michael Bannon. And I want to refer to this quote from GolfMonthly.com from Rory. Between the two weeks, between the Ryder Cup and Vegas, I feel like I figured a few things out on my own, which sometimes you need to do. Sometimes you need to go and throw hundreds of balls down on the range and hit some and figure it out on your own. I just love this quote about Rory taking more ownership and saying, I got to go back and look at the, the man in the mirror and be that guy and that it's good enough. Doesn't have to chase Bryson. Doesn't need a, a new voice in his ear necessarily. Who he has been has been one of the best to ever do it. And I think it's about, as I said back in January, throwing his weight around and having his voice heard on Sunday where it matters the most. Rory would bounce around these golf courses. Oh, the early in his career, up. nobody had more confidence than Rory McIlroy. I mean, go back to his first major title. I mean, you think about that huge win at Congressional. And this video was floating around on social media. And I watched it a couple times. So great job on pulling this. But you remember, this was the 10th of part three. And you see him kind of eyeing it. Well, it was because he's eyeing it because he knows he's got a chance to be a one. Takes the slope. And it's not just the shot, D. Watch where it ends up. It's going to kick be a kick in birdie. I mean, he wins this U.S. Open by eight. But watch the reaction after. When the camera cuts back to Rory start to walk, 
This is a guy, like, look at his face. Look at what he's saying to JP. Like, this dude knows I'm the baddest guy in D.C. I'm the baddest guy in America. I'm the baddest guy in the world. If it's got cords on it and it's got a face pointing right, I've got a chance to win the golf tournament because I can make music with these golf clubs. I don't see that type of Rory with that facial expression, if you will, as much as I'd like to see it. I know Rory wants to get a little bit more like the old Rory McIlroy where he walks on a golf course knowing he's the best dude in the field. I feel like if we can somehow, I don't know how you do it, yeah. but somehow you get back to that confidence, then we could see Rory kind of reel off more victories. But I mean, this is a guy, I feel like Rory's one of those guys that knows what he needs to do. First of all, that was a huge week. I brought three four-pound babies home that week, so I'll <laughs> never forget Rory McIlroy in the blue shirt. I mean, I can still remember oh, watching. You need walking. You, need I, you know, now, I've told Rory, I'll right. never forget that. But also, and that face that we saw from Rory, we saw it at Valhalla, and we've seen it at in Atlanta a couple times when he won the FedEx Cup. We've seen him have that energy where he knows he's the best player on the property. And he's older now, though. That's the thing. He knows how the sausage is made. He's a dad now. He's got all this money now. To, to find the, the motivation to be the killer that you used to be, it, it's harder. That's what makes MJ MJ and Tiger Tiger. And Rory's a bit different. But he has the game to do it. Does he have the will and the want to to throw his weight around like he used to do seemingly at will? MJ never really dealt with a ton of scar tissue because he would just win all the time. Tiger won all the time. In a sport where you can't win, it's so easy to be confident when nobody ever beats you, right? Yeah. Rory is a player that has seen defeat in a lot of different ways, and it's super hard to look at a golf tournament, to look at a Sunday. We just saw it with Lexi on Sunday when what typically is your Achilles heel can typically pop up at times. We saw it with Lexi. We've seen it with Rory over the years. It's tough to look past some of the bad moments when yeah. you're a great player because you know golf is so fickle. One golf swing or one miscut can completely change the momentum of a tournament. And by the way, speaking of uh, 2011 U.S. Open, I got a chance to go to that U.S. Open and cover it. Had a broken foot. Got to cover it in a little rascal for the week. Did drove the you rascal really? Around. Oh, yeah. I drove it up right up to 10 there. I was in my rascal right off the grass. Not stand. easy at Congo. There's a little no, bit no, of those things don't go there. very fast. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my sister. I was rascaling around and she was walking Unbelievable. Let's have Rory be the kind of the focus of our social question of the day. We saw good and bad Rory in 2021. So after a year of ups and downs, what do you expect to see from the four-time major winner in 2022, a complete the career grand slam, more roller coaster. You tell us what you think, and your responses will be seen on this show. We got plenty more, D. Okay. Davis Love the third. You want to chat with Davis Love? Love DL3. Let's get DL on the program to talk about all these older fellas winning on the PGA Tour. Mm. What's the secret sauce? How about this? career bio 21 wins on the PGA Tour the last coming at the age of 51 you mentioned Wingfoot 97 at the PGA two-time winner at the players and inducted in the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2017 and Davis joins us now from the Golden Isles Davis you're the unofficial mayor ambassador czar of the Sea Island community St. Simons Island what is your earliest memory of the Golden Isles well my dad would bring us down here from Atlanta um, he brought us two really cool places, Sea Island and Ponte Vedra Beach, uh, because members had houses there, and he liked playing golf down in this area. And um, we loved coming to Sea Island. I played here um, basically when I was out of diapers coming down to Sea Island and, and playing a little golf. So it's been a great place to live and a great place to raise our family and, uh, and now obviously to host the PGA Tour. 
it is a beautiful place. Now, among golf scribes like myself, Ocean Forest is known as a beautiful beast, just a rugged test of golf. I know a lot of PGA Tour players play it to want to get beat up or test their game. How would you describe a round at Ocean Forest, especially when the wind is up? Well, when the wind's up, it's, it's really, really tough. I watched um, the Walker Cup be played out there, watch the guys um, battle that golf course, and I, we battle it all the time. And well, one day we were getting ready for the British Open, and everybody's practicing and, and playing around the Sea Island courses. And Matt Kuchar goes, I guess we ought to go play some at Ocean Forest, huh? And I said, yeah, that's the way we're going to get ready, get out there in the wind and, and tough driving golf course. So it's great to have that. I, certainly when the, the Jones family created Ocean Forest, it really helped me step up my game, gave me a world-class, tough golf course to practice on. Davis, why do you feel like we're seeing such success in players late in their 40s and into their 50s on the PGA Tour? What's the key to continuing to play well with such young, hungry players that are so fearless out there? Well, I think um, now the kids coming out, they've had trainers for a long time and they've been working on fitness and had therapists and um, the old guys know those tricks too. You know, we're catching on. I I went and bought a flight scope because Bryson had one. So I, we're catching on to the tricks of these young guys. And, um, you know, I got Randy Myers upstairs here in the Golf Performance Center working with me just like he is working with junior golfers and college golfers. So um, we're learning. Uh, I wish when I was coming out the Q School in 1985, I had been doing the hard work in the gym like these guys are doing. But um, it's, it's just the culture of the tour now. Uh, I watched that whole Ryder Cup team when they hit the ground on Monday at Whistling Straits. They all went in the gym on Monday. It's just uh, it's part of the way and you have to do every little thing to be able to compete out here and the old guys catching on too. I've seen videos of you working out with uh, Randy Myers. It's no joke. And, and in that vein, how motivating has it been for you to see Phil Mickelson win a PGA at the age of 50 and then four of six on PGA Tour champions? Well, Phil's playing great. We were talking about President's Cup earlier today. You know, I'm not looking at Phil for an assistant captain. I'm thinking he's going to play. Um, every time he tees it up, he's he's a favorite in the field. You know, I'm looking at him at Whistling Straits as assistant captain going, maybe I'll put him in on Friday. You know, he's he looks like he's 40, and he's playing like he's 40, and I have no doubt that he's going to have a really good year this year the way he's putting. Davis, I can only imagine you're on the short list of young players wanting to approach you and kind of pick your brain. What's the number one question that young golfers ask you in terms of advice on how to be a pro and how to be successful as a professional? Well, you know, everybody's different. They're in different stages of their career. Some are looking for a teacher. Some are looking for an agent. Um, Trey Mullinax, when he arrived here at Sea Island, wanted to know what time Southern Soul closed. You know, there's a little – everybody's got something different that they're looking for. And – um you come to the veterans. I did that with Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw and Ray Floyd. Um, they were kind to me. They, they guided me around. You know, some guys want to play a practice round with you at a course where you've played well. You're talking about the Players' Championship or going to a place like Wingfoot that I've had success. Um, obviously, at Hilton Head, I get more questions about Hilton Head than any other course. So it's different for different players, but it's great for me to be able to give back because a lot of players, veterans, did that for me when I was a rookie. You mentioned Phil in the President's Cup. Davis, how much are you already in the process and planning and preparation for Quail Holiday? Are you on the range there with a pen and pad saying, oh, his swing looks good, or oh, his swing don't look good? Like, like, where are you in the process? I'm in, uh, I'm in hotels and food right now, not players. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going to get 12 great players. I just got to make sure, I got to make sure we're uh, prepared for them uh, in the facilities and, and the stuff that they need to be able to compete. And I left 
whistling straights and honestly went straight to Charlotte. Trevor Immelman and I were there for three days working on President's Cup year to go event, um, getting ready, picking out our our spots in the hotel. And uh, it's it's a year round thing for for Team USA. It's it's every year we we go we just switch gears, we just change cups, and so it it, it hasn't slowed down. We've been working on President's Cup since. Uh, uh, for a year and a half, really, and you know, I'm getting some help from my assistant captains and from past captains, and obviously the tours—they're ready to go. They're, we're making decisions on clothes and things like that every day. Davis, you've been in plenty of team rooms for Ryder Cups and Presidents Cups. What's the biggest difference, and the di biggest difference in terms of feeling between a Ryder Cup week and a Presidents Cup week? Well, there's there's not a difference amongst the players. I think there's a difference in pressure. Certainly, um, the Ryder Cup has a longer history. <laughs> We've lost it a lot more. And we, I think we just feel a lot, uh, a lot more stress going into a Ryder Cup than we do in a President's Cup. Obviously, the last few years, the President's Cup team has gotten a little more organized and playing a little bit better. They've got a better game plan. Obviously, they've got great players. So we're going to have to be careful not to, um, to go in there unprepared. We did that a couple times when we traveled overseas, South Africa and Australia. A couple times, we weren't really prepared to play so I think we have to be on our game to play these guys for sure but um, there's no difference about the camaraderie and the fun we have it's just I think um, the the Ryder Cup carries a little more baggage for us than the President's Cup all right Davis we were talking about playoff moments earlier in the show non-golf playoff moments we we're talking about Eli and magic what's a sports playoff moment that pops in your mind when you think of the great moments in the history of all the sports well, uh, I got to watch Michael Jordan play basketball in North Carolina. Um, I've seen a lot of great sports moments, but it's stuck in my head right now, Atlanta Braves. So they're jacking one completely out of the building. Um, that was the most excited I've been watching a sporting event since watching Adam Wainwright, local here at St. Simons Island, close out the World Series. So um, I'm a huge baseball fan, huge Braves fan, and um, right now we're just we're riding a high from the Braves World Series. Uh, Braves beat my Dodgers, but that's okay. That's okay. They beat the Astros. It's all good. Davis loved the third. Have a great week. I know it's a busy one for you in the Golden Isles. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for all the coverage of the RSM Classic. We appreciate it. You got it. You can watch right here on Golf. And coming up next, hey, we're handing out report cards for the year. Our grades for Philip Alfred Nicholson's year when golf today returns. I think it might be an A on the report card somewhere. Just guess. Coming up on Golf Today, three-time LPGA winner Christina Kim joins the show to talk about securing her card last week, her career, and what makes the perfect party. And we continue to build toward the final event of the LPGA season. First round coverage, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Golf. Golf Today continues now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. It's hour two of Golf Today. Shane and Damon and the LPGA Tour is finishing up this week. And we have two players, D, two players that have been sensational throughout the year and really battling it out in those first two positions. Nelly Korda and Jin Young-Ko, that's really what we wanted. It's what we've asked for is to see a rivalry come together and what great potential we have 
in Naples. And when you look at these two players, kind of a state of the race, they've been really, really similar in terms of production. Four wins. And look at the kind of inside the numbers, their driving rank. Yeah, Nelly is much longer, but but I tell you, Jin Young Ko goes about it a different way. Hitting fairways, hitting greens. Look at their birdies are better. One and three. And look at the fact they don't make a lot of mistakes. Nelly's triple on the 71st hole notwithstanding. And of course, the scoring average, they are one and two. You want to talk about a tale of the tape. These are the two best in the game today. Both players are the type that just find ways to win. I mean, Nelly found a way to win that tournament on Sunday. It was not her tournament to win. It was not her week to win. It seemed like it was Lexi's. Lexi mm. obviously missing a couple of those short putts. But to, for Nelly, she had to make the birdie putt. Had to make birdie on one of the toughest holes in the golf course. Gosh, that was a tough hole. The 72nd hole. Yeah. Had a great iron shot and just rolls in the putt. And then gets into a playoff, one of the more elite playoffs we've ever seen in the history of this sport. You've got three of the top five in the world. The one player not in the top five in the world is Lexi Thompson, who has yeah. 11 wins on the LPGA Tour, and she birdies that first playoff hole, knowing that if she makes that putt, the pressure's now on Lexi, who had been struggling with the putter. These players just can find ways, and it's not always the prettiest. Typically, it's, it's pretty beautiful to watch, but it's not always the nicest way to win. They find ways to pull out tournaments. They find ways to get things done. Jin Young finished T6th this past week, and we're talking about everybody else. Yeah, well, Nelly had to dig deep. That's been kind of the story of the last couple of months from her for her after the Olympic gold medal and needing to kind of reboot and find the energy to finish the season the way she wanted to. And she talked about it. She was vocal. She was, I couldn't wait for these final two events in Florida where she's very familiar with the grass. And she just wanted to get home, have a little rest. I expected her to play very, very well last week, and she went out and won the darn tournament. Now she has a chance to finish the season with another victory, kind of sweep, you know, except for the scoring average and the VAR, if she gets player of the year, if she can get it done and hold off Jin Young Ko. And obviously winning the race to the CME Globe will be quite a feather as well. Early part of the season kind of belonged to Nelly. The latter part of the season had really belonged to Jin Young Ko. And what do champions do? I mean, they show up, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. forget about me. And Nelly kind of proclaimed that to the world. I know I haven't played a whole bunch of tournament golf. I know I haven't been out in the forefront of these tournaments over the last few months, but I'm still the best golfer in the world and you go birdie birdie I mean you talk about what John Rahm did at that U.S. Open and you got to go back to Tom Watson mm. at Pebble Beach the last player that finished birdie birdie to win a U.S. Open we see John Rahm do that at Torrey Pines and when it got really really pressure packed after one of the worst holes of her 2021 she closes out the tournament does it feel like this should be a Nelly quarter week or a Jin Young Co week or do they almost deserve winning the race for what they've done already this season? Or are you comfortable if Lydia Ko sneaks up? The, she's won on this golf course. Patty Tavitanikin is a major championship, of course, went to UCLA. Your thoughts on someone else maybe kind of stealing the title at the tape? It's a golf tournament. You okay. know, I, mean, I mean, you hear players talk about Sunday night. You know, I mean, I'm going to get to this golf tournament on Thursday, and I'm even par just like everybody else. This is the sport that you play almost every tournament round of your life. It's you against everybody else in the field. It's you against the golf course. Yeah. And at the season-ending portions of some of these tours, you know, scores are aggregated, and you come in in a certain place where you've positioned yourself in the regular season. We set it off the top, and I love the format the LPGA does because, again, if you're complaining come Sunday night, you simply need to just play a little bit yeah. better golf that week. If you want to win this event, if you want to win the CME Globe, yeah. you better beat everybody in the field. How about you, Lou, who we spoke to just a few minutes ago, said it's hard to win back-to-back -back weeks. I got a chance to get it Playing done it out there. this week. I love that. And I do like the fact that it's wide open at this point, that every, if you're there in the tournament, you stick a peg no in complaints. the ground. 
you should have a chance to win the golf tour. But I just think where Nelly is right now, where Jin Young Ko is right now, I mean, they're they're playing the fantastic golf. I think it's be fun to watch those two. Hopefully on a Sunday afternoon chasing that trophy. Yeah, we can't write it out in a script, but it sure seems like we've been kind of yeah. moving towards this moment. And yeah. if we finally get the moment on Sunday, again, I mean, it is going to be must-watch mm. television, much-watch sports yeah. is when you get the two best players in the world going at it. Well, Nelly's been doing a lot of press conferences in 2021. Here's one more in Naples earlier. Yeah, I love this event. I love this golf course. I, You know, I love any type of Florida event that I can drive to. I always feel so much more at home and... Um, have family and friends come out. Um, I've played well at this golf course. I, I mean, I grew up in Florida on Bermuda grass, so it's kind of easier for me to adapt to this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be back and hopefully I can give it a good shot this year. And, you know, when you're so comfortable in a course, like a Florida course for yourself, mm -hmm. coming off a win, how much confidence do you have now that we are at the last event of the season as you roll into this season ending event? Yeah, I mean, last week was definitely a confidence boost. Um, but it's I've always said it's really hard to kind of win back to back because you are definitely a little mentally and physically drained from the week prior. So making sure that I'm well rested and that I'm 100% going into Thursday and that I'm 100% going, that I'll be 100% going to Sunday as well is going to be probably my main focus this week. We've got a little bit of weather, I know, incoming um, Thursday and a little bit over this weekend. Um, but on top of that, just you've been able to play a couple holes out there. What is Tiburon like for you this year as maybe compared to other years? I think it's in actually better shape this year. Last year we played in December and it was a little bare and sandy around some runoff areas, especially 17. So I think the greens are rolling really nicely and I think um, the course is in great condition. Your scoring average dropped into the 68s, and it would be the second lowest scoring average to win the Vera Trophy of all time, if you could qualify. Does missing out on potentially landing a historic mark further add to your emotions you shared ahead of Pelican last week about the Vera Trophy? No, I think I've kind of like um, come to terms with it. It's fine. I didn't really, it, honestly, I, I have not even thought of that as one of my goals in all honesty, going into this year, my my goal was to you know contend in majors and to be healthy throughout the year and um, to play the best of my ability. Um, I don't really, I'm not a huge kind of, I'm not a player that's going to go out and be like, okay, I want to win this award, I want to win this award, I want that award. I'm a type of player where I'm like, okay, I want to stay healthy throughout the year, I want to contend in majors, and I just want to have fun out there. I was just curious if there was anything that you could point to that was sort of a catalyst for this breakout year that you've had when you kind of look back over the course of the, the season or maybe the off season last year. Uh, Not that there wasn't much of one. <laughs> probably the miscut at the U.S. Women's Open. I think that was kind of my turning point uh, where I just kind of changed my demeanor a little out there and um, I was really disappointed after that miscut, and I, I kind of turned it on after that. We now welcome in Paige McKenzie to join the conversation on the two best on the LPGA. And Paige, sometimes storylines, you feel like you kind of hammer them home. We've talked a lot about Nelly, and we've mm -hmm. talked a lot about Jin Young Ko, but they just continue to produce these storylines. Nelly, not really having a great end of the season, goes out there and gets the dub.
Yeah, I feel like it's been a volley, like a tennis volley throughout the season. Nelly serves and Jin Young answers, and it seems to be going back and forth. It makes it fun for us to be able to talk about them. And, and I know you had a graphic earlier that Damon touched on. I want to revisit that because I think this is really important. When we talk about the two best players in the world, they do get it done differently. Even though the ranks look similar, let's dive a little deeper. That total driving rank. That's the cumulative rank of accuracy plus distance. Nelly Korda leads with her distance. She's eighth on the tour in distance, 50th in accuracy. Jin Young Ko is carried by accuracy, 74th in distance, 13th in accuracy. So two different styles of player, and that's where you get the birdie or better rank that is different. Nelly Korda leads in the explosiveness, the ability to score. She averages 27% of her holes birdie or better. That's extraordinary. That's over 2% better than Jin Young Ko, who's in that third position. Uh, and then you look at that bo bogey avoidance rank. Jin Young Ko, we know, has a history of avoiding big numbers. Big, uh, we, we go back a couple of years, 114 holes without a bogey. So she's a very conservative player, puts herself in good positions, smart around the golf course. So that's why she leads the LPGA Tour in that category. And then ultimately, we see how it shakes out with the scoring average with Nelly being just a little bit better than Jin Young Ko uh, cumulatively over the course of the season. But two very great players that do it slightly differently, which makes it really fun for you and I, guys, to be able to watch how they get it done. Paige, how impressive are the numbers and the production of these two players? You know what it's like. You've been inside the ropes. You've traveled this schedule. Golf is so up and down typically. How incredible is it that these two players have been able to produce what they have considering the demands of an LPGA schedule? Yeah, I mean, they're on a, they're on a different plateau. Uh, the, the elite of the elite uh, on any tour, it feels like they don't know how to let, it, let off the gas. And for these two players, it's been, uh, it's been really impressive to watch the level of play that has been sustained uh, when you think about what Jin Young Ko's done, when she first grabbed number one in the world, she held it. She didn't lose it uh, up until when Nelly took it from her. And then Nelly has been able to continue to play, perform and be comfortable in that position where some players don't uh, when, when you have the pressure and the target on your back of being number one in the world. So for a lot of reasons, both of these players ha have been incredibly impressive when they ascended to number one in the world. Hey, just wanted your thoughts on the format this week. We've kind of touched on it earlier in the show. Winner take all. Everybody can win the tournament this week. It's a little different than what we see with the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it from both sides. I, I watched your interview with you, Lou, earlier, who's a player that, you know, is in the field. So she's got a chance. And, and good for her. I, I tend to like the fact that you have a season-long race that culminates with a player that has had the best season, having the best opportunity to win. And that's not the case with this. So I'm not as big of a fan as winner-take-all. Obviously, it provides a lot of volatility, fun as a fan. Uh, and I consider maybe I just need to change my framework and realize this is just a bonus after a great season, a bonus opportunity for players to go out and try to make a big check. All right, Paige, let's keep this going. We want to set you up on some winner superlatives, kind of let's go back to high school, most likely to be the president or the class clown or most likely to succeed, kind of LPGA tour style as this season comes to an end. I love this, Damon, because I feel like th this is this opportunity to, to really highlight 
anybody can win. So when I think of a superlative, I'm thinking maybe who's the most poetic winner this week. And for me, if I were to give out that, I would say Lexi Thompson. Uh, after the season that she's had, she's played well, but she let the U.S. Open slip through her fingers. We know what happened last week, uh, bogeying the last two holes and ultimately losing in the playoff. So I think if there is a poetic winner, it would be Lexi Thompson uh, this week. She's played well on this golf course. And again, you go back to the, the very short miss that she had on this golf course. Another reason why a win this week would be huge. That was in 2017. She missed the putt to win the tournament, ended up winning the race. But because of that missed putt, did not ascend to number one in the world, did not get player of the year honors. So I think if there is a... If there's any poetic justice at all, it would it would allow Lexi Thompson to win this golf tournament this week. Paige, we need a four-footer on the last screen, and she bury it right in the middle. That would be poetic justice at its best. What about Nellie Corda? Do you have a superlative for Nellie? Yeah, I would say most deserving. Uh, maybe this is the layup. Maybe this is the the gimme putt on this one. With Nellie Corda's season, the fact that she's won four times, got an Olympic gold. She's got the low scoring average, didn't get the Vare Trophy. I think that she's deserving of a $1.5 million cherry on the top to a great year. All right, how about Say Young Kim, the black belt in Taekwondo and a major championship winner? To me, she's most likely to surprise. Uh, Say Young Kim has a history of being a spoiler. And when I think back to one of her first wins, the, the Lotte Championship in Hawaii, it was in 2015. I don't know if you guys remember this. She chips in on the last hole after NB Park had marked her ball from like two inches because NB Park was going to have a win putt, ends up chipping in, gets in a playoff, then holds out for Eagle on the, on the first playoff hole to get it done. You think back to 2019 where she sunk a 25-foot putt to win that $1.5 million check at this event. I think she's most likely to surprise and come and spoil the party of Jin Young-Ko and Nelly Korda. All right, Paige, last one, Lydia Ko. I'm assuming it's something with like airline miles, like executive platinum status. What's <laughs> Lydia Ko's superlative for the year? I'd say the, the player that needs to be talked about. When you look, obviously we're talking Nelly and Jin Young. You, you stated it beautifully and why we need to be highlighting those two players coming into this week. But also don't forget about Lydia Ko. Coming off of two incredible weeks, she was T3 Two, a couple of weeks ago, and then a T2 uh, in, or excuse me, after that playoff loss last week. And then you include the win on the, the Ladies European Tour. This player is extremely hot, and she's won here in 2014. Uh, this is a player we need to be talking about more uh, coming into this. So she'd be maybe most like unlikely to surprise. Paige, uh, Paige do you like. remember uh, Do you remember your superlative from high school? Did you, did you get one? Did they award you a superlative back I in the did. day? I did. I got best smile. Best smile. Oh, That's wow, very good. Uh, I got I got most likely to be a pro golfer. A little did they know I was a pro golfer. You did. Made no money though, so I don't know. Oh. It's, it's one hand or the other. I don't know which one. And you by go the with. way, Paige, you know I remember 2015 and Say Young Kim in NB Park. You know I remember that moment. Did you have a superlative? Uh, honestly, super I never forget it. Every time I stock Say Say Young Kim, that's exactly what I think about. Right. Very good. Mine was most likely to spend all of his money. That was mine. <laughs> And it's correct. There you there go. There it is. There, there it is. Paige, <laughs> we always appreciate the time. It's a great smile. I got to be honest. Absolutely. They call that. They call no, that. They, that. They whiffed on the golf thing. They nailed pages. All yes. right. Appreciate the time. And still to come, we're going to catch up with Christina Kim in a bit. Sponsors invite into a big week. One of the great players to chat 
with in all of golf joins us next. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Bushnell Golf and the new wingman, crank up your game. And by the new Ping I-59 Forged Iron. It's different at its core. Back on golf today, to say she's one of our favorites would be an understatement. Christina Kim, quite the week at the Pelican Women's Championship. She arrived as first alternate, missed by a shot in the Monday qualifier. Got in via last-minute sponsor's invitation. She entered Sunday's final round just two shots off the lead. What a week for Christina Kim. Finished the week in a tie for 16th, moved from 98th to 93rd in the CME Globe standing, securing her card for 2022. She also happens to be one of the great follows on social media. So she went on Twitter after the event and said, hey, wow, what a week. So many thank yous for the chance to keep my card. If I hadn't been granted the sponsor's invitation and everything turned out the way it did, I would have finished one-on-one -on, -one on the CME points list and would have had to go back to Q Series. No thanky. Christina Kim joins us on this Tuesday, inventing words in the English language. Christina, first of all, it's great to see you, but take us back to that emotional roller coaster on Monday, missing qualifying by one, then getting word that you're actually going to be in the tournament. How did it all go down? Oh, gosh, it was such a whirlwind. Yes, I played in the Monday qualifier, um, and the two remaining sponsors' invites had not been released yet, and I, I saw that I missed the qualifier by one stroke. I said, okay, well, at the moment, I'm first alternate. I am going to drive myself almost an hour from TPC Tampa Bay over to the Pelican Golf Club, perched myself on the range, and was uh, having a chat when I get a phone call from Tim Aronson, who is the tournament director, and he was like, you're in. We are giving you one of the invites. And I jumped. I've said it before. I probably could have been drafted by the NBA with the, <laughs> uh, the vertical that I had and then resulted in uh, somersaulting on the floor, rolling around in the grass, disturbing everybody on the range. But I was just so elated. Oh, my Los Angeles Lakers could use you. But that's another conversation. What was your mindset once the tournament started, knowing you needed a strong week to return to the LPGA? Are you watching leaderboards, crunching numbers or just playing? Well, I just said, you know what? Okay, this is it. It was a super stressful three weeks prior to the event because you didn't I didn't know if I was in. I was just really working on my game. And I just said, you know what? Okay, get out of your own way. Just focus on enjoying yourself. Have golf. If this ends up being the last event of the year, that would end up being great because that means I don't have to go to Q series. But if this um, you know, if if this doesn't end up being the last event of the year, then you know, at least make the last full field event of the season one to remember and boy did I hey Christina this is the time of the interview where we give you the floor to talk about playing with Nellie Corda so this is your time oh my god how I thought we had to go to commercial break in the next like 20 minutes no, um, no you're good you're good keep it rolling <laughs> no Nellie is just she she epitomizes the word rock star. She is um, obviously, you know, talking about her golf game itself. It's like, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, she can do anything with any club in her hand. Who cares about that? She's an amazing young woman. Um, you know, she's, what, 23, if I'm not mistaken. And she just holds herself with such class and poise. And she's eternally patient. She has this amazing flow, very much like her golf swing with just how she sort of carries herself in life she has time for everybody and you know she's 
she's she's more introverted than I am, which probably falls in line with 99.9% of the population. But that being said, she had no qualms. Just talk. We talked about everything under the sun. She was just absolutely amazing. And with every moment that passed during that third round, I fell more and more enamored with her. Well, she's a great kid. So are you. You're forever young. Your social media is dominated by posts of your golf swing and the work you are putting in. I follow you, and I'm so impressed. How would you describe the grind you have been on in recent years? I love it, personally. Um, I've gone through periods of times in my life where I have been so uninspired that it's been hard to get out of bed. I'm presently in bed right now. You guys are lucky. I, I'm, I'm Donald ducking it, but, you know, <laughs> at least I, I changed out of my robe. And, you know, there's just been this amazing reinvigoration of myself as a human being, myself as a golfer, and it's just been awesome. It hasn't been a grind. Like, when I'm one, the more I learn, the more I play, and I've been playing for a long time, you're never as far off as you think. Instead of that being the most frustrating thing, you can take solace in the fact that you're right there. You just got to get that one little thing, usually tempo for me, that will um, help catapult you back to where you belong with your golf game. So it's been super fun for me. And, you know, I love being outside. I love, I just love golf. So I have had just an absolute blast these last few years. Well, you've witnessed a lot of iterations of the LPGA Tour throughout your career, from Annika to Lorena, Yanni, Stacy, NB, just to name a few of the legends. How do you view the LPGA today compared to those other versions of the tour? Well, uh, I would be very biased in saying it's it's a heck of a lot younger. <laughs> but I would say it's in as strong a place as it's ever been. Obviously, I was very fortunate to be able to play, like you said, with Annika, Lorena, um, Kari Webb, uh, um, Stacey Lewis, Inby Park, Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko. I mean, it's it, the, the game has transformed incredibly. We're playing longer golf courses, um, you know, and the competition is getting that much better. And it's 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 a lot. I feel like it's a lot less top heavy, and there are just a lot more top class players um, that are out there now. You know, obviously with the change in equipment, you know, you. It's kind of funny when you sit there and think, oh, man, I wonder how you would feel hitting my ping TISI driver and my skinny little Henry Griffiths blades that I first started playing on tour with, you know, as opposed to now, obviously, I've got the great, I've uh, got a great setup with my PXG clubs. Um, but it's, 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 it's in as strong a place as I've ever seen it. We're playing for more money. We're gaining more recognition. We have incredible stories, just like we do, you know, every week. And it's just an, an amazing place. I'm very excited to see what our new commissioner, um, Molly Simon, Molly Marco Simon is going to do for us. Well, Christina, many of us have enjoyed you on the PGA Tour broadcast. What have you enjoyed the most about exploring that side of your extroverted personality? You know, I say this a lot, and the reality is I just do what I would do on any given Sunday that the LPGA is not on tour. I, the only difference is I'm wearing pants and I'm not eating food and I'm swearing a, a, a considerable amount less. I just, I have so much fun. I love the game. I love every aspect of it. And I love being able to watch what the guys do there. I remember when I was, um, I concluded my, my broadcast in February for one of the events and 
I drove straight to the range after taking five days off after watching four days straight of Rory McIlroy. And I clocked some of the highest club head speeds that I've clocked <laughs> in a very long time. So that's always helpful. Christina, I would only ask you this question. Who's the sneaky funniest person currently on the LPGA tour? Sneaky funniest? I would say it would probably be a toss-up between Nicole Brock Larson and Nellie Corda because, you know, Nellie, like I said, she's filled with grace. She's kind. She's, um, you know, gorgeous inside and out and an amazing golfer, but she has some amazing one-liners. And Nicole Brock Larson, she's, um, you know, an, an incredible, strong, long Danish player, but she just has the best sort of deadpan kind of answers when it comes to things. She reminds me quite a bit of Henrik Stenson in that regard. Oh, very, very good pull. All right, Christina, I think making it back to the tour is cause for a celebration. So if Christina Kim is throwing a party, I want to know details. You've traveled the world. What kind of food would you serve at said party and why? Wow. Well, see, that's the thing. Is it a dinner party or is it just a party? Dinner, it's just dinner a party. party. There's dinner party. Dinner party. Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. I'd probably start with a beautiful caprese salad. Um, mm. And instead of using olive oil, I, it's probably frowned upon, but I would use a nice drizzle of browned butter as opposed to olive oil. Give it just a little bit of, like, extra nuttiness. Um, and for our main, I, I, don't, I don't know, probably couple of huge tomahawk steaks that everyone could hack mm. into. I'll, uh, I, I make a really good cauliflower mash, so we'll go with some of that. Sautéed spinach. And for dessert, I don't eat desserts anymore, so I'd probably just put a massive bucket of sugar on the table and just be like, <laughs> just, I don't know, you guys figure it out from here. Just sugar. Here's your sugar. <laughs> you sugar. enjoy it. Uh, Christina, <laughs> this show airs between 12 and 2 on the East Coast. Damon and I have not had lunch yet. I'm starving. You are making us hungry by the I'm second. All right. So what's the perfect number of people at your party? Like intimate 20 people? Or do you have 200 people there having a big shindig? Oh, uh, for some reason, my, my brain was thinking 16 people. Oh, I don't nice. even know if I know 16 people I'd want to dine with. But that seems like the perfect number for me. 16 is great because you can talk to everybody. Circle you, table. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. At my wedding, I still don't remember who was there. I didn't get to talk to half the people. I didn't get to eat. I was too busy. <laughs> anyway, that's my own, my own business. What music do you want? Adele's in the news, Coldplay, Kanye, Megan Thee Stallion. I mean, who would you want to play at your perfect party? Well, so the tournament last week had a concert with Pitbull, which, by the way, honest to God, one of the greatest performers I've ever seen. Um, I would probably see I'm I would want something like Tool, a perfect circle, um, Shine Down. There's some really good friends of mine. So ooh, they could come to the party and perform. So that takes care that's two birds with one stone. Um, but I'd want something just rocking and just kind of just something that if you need a rage, you can just rage. I love it. Christina Kim filling out her table for 16. Right. Now, now I will say, though, she's asking guests to do stuff. She's saying, That's you've okay. got to perform. That's okay. That's all right. It's like inviting a chef and be like, she, hey, by the way. you still do magic? You're making the steak. I can do magic. I'll do magic yes. there as well. You can invite I, I me. Can juggle. I can juggle. I can juggle. <laughs> we'll be part of your 16. Christina, thanks for joining us. Congrats on the great week. Always enjoy chatting with you, even for five minutes, two hours, a whole day. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. And 
you guys are doing a great job with the show. Huge fan. Oh, the best. Christina Kim, thank you for that. Absolute baller. Still to come on Golf Today. How about Phil Mickelson got social media buzzing last night? He joined Eli and Peyton on Monday Night Football. Who would be Phil's ideal broadcast partner? We might have just talked to her. I was going to say. Yeah, but we'll tell you next. We're back. What's Phil Mickelson been up to the last couple days? Well, he won on Sunday, Charles Schwab Cup Championship, shot 65 there. Then he joined the Mannings on Monday night. You good, Jeff? Yeah, I'm good. All right, Phil, we, uh, we've been analyzing football. Your chance to analyze Eli's swing. Tell us about it. All right, let's see. Well, I mean, overall, one word to describe it is cute. I think it's a cute little swing. Um, <laughs> The, the club is a little Cute. behind him and low going back, so he's he's not able to get – his arms aren't out in front of him. They get a little bit too flat. So he has to use all of his athleticism to square the face. He, he It's a pretty good golf swing. Like I say, it's cute, but I was it's, aiming it at, could be better. I was like, aiming at Bosa. This is – Phil, thank you, man. Bosa. We yeah. appreciate thank you. you. Thanks for having Thanks me on, so guys. much, for awesome. Love it. It's a cute little swing. I mean, he, he nailed it. I mean, everybody on social media was buzzing about Phil Mickelson and what he brought to the show. Pat McAfee, who did an unbelievable job. And his appearance on the Manning cast says Phil Mickelson understands mm. the assignment. Asking questions to the Mannings. Asking football questions. Putting the Mannings in a position to answer football questions. I think Phil thinks he can probably coach an NFL team. And this is the PGA Tour saying, I am soft. I don't like getting hit. Golf is right up my out. yeah he was kind of he was kind of asking uh asking eli about peyton manning's toughness out there considering you know the next surgeries and missing a year oh, and then yeah. he kind of went with you know what though i'm, I'm a little soft you now phil mickelson on the manning cast look at the numbers he's putting up will <laughs> <laughs> really chamberlain ask numbers <laughs> that is very good Phil last night that was very good dylan to share this is day back to back days dylan to share yeah. on the show on a basic level it's just extremely entertaining to watch phil mickelson interact with human beings I totally agree with that part from Dylan. And then this was after he started to fire out all the, the research. He said this is his revealing his research for his Manning cast appearance. Just papers everywhere. Yeah. He had notes on notes on notes. He knew, he knew DVOA. He had defensive rankings, offensive rankings, playoff. He yeah. knew everything about Eli and Peyton's careers. We know if Phil wants to do this for a living post-play, and we love watching him play, but he could easily do a Mickelson cast, whether it's with his brother or sister who's a fine player in her own right, but who should be the ultimate, you know, running buddy with Phil Mickelson should he do a Manning-Cast style of show? We knew everybody was going to follow this mold, right? When oh, the Manning-Cast yeah. was yeah. such a success, we knew everybody would try to follow this Copycat mold. Some are going to be successful, yeah. some are not going to be, but I feel like everybody in sports knew Phil Mickelson was going to be epic at this. Yeah. He's been epic at it in the past. His comments during the match are great. So I just wrote down some names that I think would be great kind of co-host with him because Phil's going to drive the ship for the most part. Julie Inkster, you know, ooh, a Hall of Famer. Ooh. I have a chance to work with Julie over the years. She's chill. Okay. She's cool. I feel like she'd be unbelievable sitting next to Phil. Phil's very energetic. He's okay. kind of like a, a Red Bull sitting next to Julie Inkster, kind of a chill cup of tea. Gotcha. Ricky Fowler, I think, would be awesome sitting next to Phil Mickelson to kind of kind of bounce off what Phil's going with. Uh, post Ryder Cup press conference, Dustin Johnson. Okay. I think it would be a lot of fun to throw in there with Phil the Mickelson. The one who could hardly walk straight. Just that answer one? a couple okay. questions okay. like DJ was yeah. firing. And I think Andre Iguodala would be awesome. But my answer to this is Michelle Wee West. Throw Michelle Wee next Interesting. to Phil 
Those are two superstars right. sitting up there, know a lot about golf, yeah. have accomplished a lot in the game. So it'd be very interesting to see Michelle Wee West and Phil Mickelson kind of do the golf version of the Manning Cats. Excellent, Who do you have? Excellent attempt. Good try. Uh, Charles Barkley is the correct answer and the only answer. They are buddies. They have been on golf courses together. They have been on golf broadcasts together. Their personalities would mesh. The trash talking would be at an epic level. It's got to be Phil and Sir Charles. He's got a job, Perfect D. combo. You know, the, the guy's got a job. He's hey, got to talk about basketball money, in one of the great shows on TV. Money is undefeated. Hey, and, and, and the, other, some hours. the good news is in about 10 days, you can watch Charles Barkley and yes, Phil Mickelson on a broadcast. But, I mean, Charles Barkley is one of those people you could put in any situation, oh. any scenario, any sport. I mean, we saw what, what Peacock did yes. over the Olympics. I mean, you have Snoop Dogg and, and, and Kevin Hart up there talking about the Olympic Games, and it's so entertaining because it's people that aren't necessarily in those sports spheres yes. talking about it. I mean, I know Charles Barkley plays golf, attempts to play golf, at times, he loves it. but he loves the sport so much, and he obviously loves Phil Mickelson. I mean, Charles Barkley could be in any seat. He could sit yeah. right here with us. He could talk tennis. He could talk curling or whatever, but I feel like Phil Mickelson is potentially the Charles Barkley of the golf oh, broadcasting okay, world, okay. and so, I mean, in 10 years from now, I think we could be talking about Phil like we talk about Barkley. Do we give Barkley enough credit for his basketball career considering how great of a broadcaster he is? one of the top 50 of all time. He was fantastic. He played at a time when Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan and didn't let anybody win. I feel like we talk so much about Barkley on the broadcast. Oh, he's one he's... of those players like Johnny Miller where you sometimes forget about what they were able to do on the court and on the golf course because they're so dang good at their job. And I see Barkley every summer in Tahoe. I say, what's up, round mound of rebound? And that, <laughs> he doesn't punch me out, which I appreciate. But that was his nickname coming out of Auburn. He was a fantastic, explosive player down low. Yeah, I mean. One of the best, as you yes. said it, one of the best 50 of all time.